Good morning, evening, afternoon, whenever you're listening to this. Uh, January 30th, 2024. Ron and Adam with the InterAccess Podcast. Adam is in a balmy Denver area of about 62 degrees on January 30th. Bet you didn't expect that, did you, Adam? Uh, I did not expect that, but it is nice and sunny outside. Going to go take a walk right after this. It's a it's a beautiful day, uh, but hopefully we got some uh, storms coming. And I say hopefully because I would love to get out to the mountains and do some skiing and they need a little snow. I do not need any storms in my house. Last week, we, over the three-day stretch, we had 12 inches of rain. Well, so, no storms for you. We'll, we'll keep them here. We'll actually keep them confined to the mountains so we can get a whole bunch of uh, powdery snow that I can go uh, make some turns in next weekend. <laughs> yeah, you're, you're going to go ski the mountain. I could ski on the road. There was so much water. So what we're going to talk about today is uh, Visa and Transact joining, or I guess Transact joining Visa's Direct and uh, PayPal Ventures Stablecoin Investment. And then we'll touch on the Ethereum ETF. Well, why don't we do the Ethereum ETF first? Because it's going to be pretty fast. Yeah. I mean, the, this was just uh, something that, that I saw on the block that Standard Chartered Bank estimates or expects that the SEC is going to approve the Ethereum spot ETF or the Ether spot ETF on May 23rd. Uh, and this isn't due to any sort of great, uh, you know, amazing amount of research that Standard Charter did. This is just because that's the uh, the final approval date for some of the applications that are in. So just like we saw the uh, spot Bitcoin ETF approved on January 10th, because that's when the final approval date was for the ARC uh, 21 shares application. The final approval date, I, I believe it's for BlackRock and Fidelity, maybe for the ETF is on March is on May 23rd of this year. And therefore, Standard Charter is basically saying uh, it will likely get approved by then. Again, just like we said with the Bitcoin ETF, uh, BlackRock either knows something or gets to pull strings, uh, as does Fidelity. So, it, you know, it's unlikely. Well, I don't want to say it's unlikely. We think it will probably get approved because the SEC doesn't have a whole lot of legs to stand on to not approve it right now. So it's likely that they're just going to go forward because if they were to deny those two, then that's basically saying we're going to deny all of them because beyond those two, beyond uh, Fidelity and BlackRock, I think Bitwise is applied. Of course, Grayscale would like to convert their Ethereum trust uh, and probably all the same players that jumped in on the Bitcoin ETF will jump in on the ETH ETF. So, uh, it's likely that it will be May 23rd. So we just couldn't have a podcast without mentioning the word ETF. We we just couldn't. And as we get closer to that day, we'll probably talk more about that. But but the the most important part that we will talk about as we get closer to those ETFs is the fact that the valuation or, or the issuance policy for ETH is different than the issuance policy for Bitcoin. So in theory, the ETFs for ETH should affect the price differently than the the spot ETFs for Bitcoin because there's not a there's not a set amount of ETH that will ever be uh, created the the amount of ETH uh, that it, that will ever be created kind of goes up and down and so it, it's not like Bitcoin where there's only 21 million but that's a conversation for another day uh, just something I want to talk about real quickly because I saw that you know quote news come out it's not really news I think it was Standard Chartered trying to get their name out there. And the fact that, you know, within that 
article, they put out a you know $4,000 price target by then on ETH. It means absolutely nothing. Just like we've seen every price target for Bitcoin and for ETH and for everything else means absolutely nothing. Nobody knows. And if someone pretends to know, they don't know. Yeah, I'm, I'm excited uh, a little bit to talk about that because as you and I, and I think a couple other people talked about on the live session one day that um, are they going to be able to stake the ETH inside of the ETF? And if so, does that pass on to the owners of the ETF? Right. And, and that's kind of what we, we don't know. We're going to see. I, I think the first one will just be a spot ETF, spot ETH ETF. So it won't probably have staking. I'm guessing that shortly thereafter, that I'm, I'm sure they're already working on how to do a staked ETH ETF that will have some yield to it. Uh, and maybe that yield will be delivered in ETH just like staked ETH is. But for now, I think they're they're just going to settle. My guess is they're just going to settle for a spot ETH ETF that just holds it. And hopefully you get um, exposure to the price of ETH. And then there will be staked ETH ETFs. I think that will be next. Uh, along with, as we've said, you know, kind of a Bitcoin ETH, probably 50-50 ETF after that, and all manner of other derivatives of ETH, which could be a, you know, a 2x leverage or an ETH covered call or, or whatever else they want to do, because there are ETH derivative markets already that, um, that, that these fund managers can use. All right. Past the ETF and on to the PayPal and Transact. So the, the Transact we'll go with first because um, I just like to say Transact uh, with a K, not a CT. But the way I under, understand it and what's happening is um, Transact is going Visa Direct, which will allow people to buy and sell and use a Visa card in their local currency um, from their wallet, the way I understand it. So a MetaMask wallet, Coinbase wallet, and uh, Transact's handling all of the KYC and stuff and all of the um, conversions, which is pretty interesting. So, you know, gives them, what, 140 million people access in 140 countries or something like that? Right. And it's really important because we talk, uh, we, we've been talking for years, actually, about the ability to spend crypto being the ultimate off-ramp. Right. So the ultimate off ramp is I have I have some crypto asset, whether, whether it's Bitcoin or ETH or a stable coin like USDC sitting in my wallet. I can hold that in this case. And then using uh, Transact and Visa Direct, I can use something like a debit card and just pay for something, pay for whatever I need to pay for uh, with the whatever crypto assets are in my wallet. What it means for you and I, it's you know, it, it's not a huge deal, right? You and I can pay for things with, with our bank accounts. For so many people in the world, this is important because they either want to hold stable coins like USDC because they're, they'd rather hold a dollar than hold their own currency, which may be getting devalued. Or maybe they want to hold something like Bitcoin because they want an asset that, that you know, has this verifiably scarce supply and they want an asset that, you know, not, not even a dollar. They, they might want something that hopefully will go up in value as the dollar uh, as we see inflation in, in dollar terms, um, but they will likely be able to spend those assets. What it also means is people in other countries that uh, potentially want to get out of their country, they they basically just 
can keep their assets, crypto assets in a wallet. And, and when they get wherever they need to get to, they can go spend them if they need to uh, via Transact and Visa uh, Direct. So this is pretty important. I, I think these, these are the kind of things that slip under the radar, but this kind of adoption is what's really important because this is the, the talk of debanking, right? Getting away from having to put your assets into a bank and getting away from having to utilize much of the current financial system. Yeah. I mean, look, it, it, the, the people in countries that if you have to leave in a hurry, um, you can't really go to the bank or if there's a run on the bank and the country sh shuts it down, it, it mitigates that risk for them. And, and, and even if they're not trying to do the, hold the Bitcoin because so, it goes up in value, like you said, they might want to hold the USDC because their local currency is at 110% inflation a year or whatever the case may be. But the, the, the biggest thing, I think it, it allows everybody the opportunity to, or these 145 countries to use it in, especially like for travelers. It's a great deal for travelers because you can just put, you, can, you know, if you have it in your wallet, you can load your card up or I'm not sure exactly how it works yet, but, and then you can go and just use it as you see fit. Exactly. I mean, I, I, I would think I would use something like this. If I'm going to travel outside the country, I would just uh, load up my wallet, which I feel like I can keep safe uh, and I can use a debit card. And I might say, look, here's how much I'm willing to spend on this vacation. I'm going to load up a certain wallet, attach a debit card to it. And that's what I'm going to spend. And in that way, I'm also not opening up my credit card to, to any issues. I'm not opening my debit card that might be tied to my bank to anything. I'm only opening up one that, that's tied to a, uh, a crypto wallet. And I can just put in there wh whatever I'm willing to spend. I know, Ron, for you and I, it'd probably be a good deal when we uh, go to the casinos, because uh, then we we know exactly how much is in our wallet and how much we're able to spend. Yes, that would probably keep us out of a lot of trouble. Yeah, yeah the, with the, a USDC or something that's really fast, it really takes the fraud aspect out of it because you could literally on your phone transfer, you know, 50 bucks for dinner. And then there, after you buy dinner, you know, there's what, $45 you use, there's $5 left. So if somebody stole it, they only can get the, the five bucks. Yeah. So I, I could see all sorts of uh, decent use cases for it, even for us, but for others in the world, I think it's a big deal. And, and it's going to be big for them also when it comes to businesses operating this way, because businesses elsewhere in the world, I mean, we've seen so many people that can operate businesses from anywhere in the world because of the internet and because of technology and work from home has meant work from literally anywhere. But now that can go to work from anywhere. And I don't necessarily need a bank account. I can, I, I can, you know, accept my payments in USDC or in crypto or something. And then I can actually spend that money if I need to, because we know that most people in the world are not accepting crypto. But if I have it in, in my wallet, I can then go spend it for whatever I need. Um, even if, you know, for instance, I, if I wanted to go uh, stay somewhere for a month or so uh, over the summer, I can do that and I can, you know, load up my, my crypto wallet and not worry so much about everything else getting uh, about my bank account getting compromised or anything like that. And know that, you know, I can just move money in, into my digital wallet whenever I need to. And that's what I'm going to spend. And, and I can kind of keep my money safe that way. Uh, and I, and I like the fact that we're talking about this because I hadn't thought of these use cases before, but now thinking out loud, here we go. All right, let's talk. I, mean, I think Ron, maybe maybe we have a business on our hands, right? It's the uh, 
it's kind of the, the next version of traveler's checks, right? Load yeah. up this digital wallet, give people a debit card. And uh, it, they, we, we know that we're keeping it safe. So you heard it here first. Here's, here's the business. If anyone wants to invest, you can contact us. Uh, <laughs> and going with our next story, we will take stable coins as part of the investment. So um, the news out, PayPal Ventures, not to be confused with PayPal, they, they are the same, but they're two different distinct companies, um, dropped $20 million, or excuse me, $6.5 million into Mesh uh, and did it all in PayPal USDC or PYUSD, which is um, interesting. Yep. So Mesh, uh, real quick first, Mesh is kind of trying to be like the plaid of, of crypto or, or DeFi. And by that, I mean, they're trying to connect different networks, connect, you know, networks like not just ETH and Polygon, but ETH, uh, Solana and, and such to where you can move your, your money back and forth. And you, I believe you can also move it from fiat to crypto back and forth. But they went they, they got an investment from PayPal. PayPal Ventures, I, I apologize, from PayPal Ventures. But the exciting part of this is not just that PayPal Ventures is, is investing, but that PayPal Ventures did so uh, out of the six and a half million they invested, five of it was using their their own stablecoin PYUSD, uh, which is another uh, interesting use case that PayPal basically created the stablecoin because they, 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 you know, obviously work with Paxos. Paxos custodies uh, fiat currency creates the stablecoin PYUSD and then PayPal Ventures is actually using that as the investment. So Mesh Networks received $5 million in PYUSD as part of the investment from PayPal Ventures. Yeah, that's pretty, um, that's pretty good. I mean, that's, that's a neat use case. And, and if Mesh is doing the whole plaid thing, um, that's going to be an interesting use case as well. I, I It'd be curious to see if they're going to try to do some, you know, connect wallets or or what they're going to do. Yeah, I, I'm I'm going to guess that they're going to partner with a bunch of wallet providers to be able to to move assets back and forth on different chains. Um, but you know, the other interesting part, Ron, is the the thought of the investment using the PYUSD. Going back to our previous conversation just now, one. Mesh networks using the, the Transact and Visa Direct, they never have to put that $5 million into a bank account. They can keep it on chain if they want to. They can earn you know, whatever they want to earn, uh, whatever they can find to earn in a safe and secure way. And then they can actually spend that money if they need to uh, via Transact and Visa Direct. So if they have to pay people wherever they are in the world, they can do that. They can pay their bills, whatever they need to do that they don't have to really ever put that money into a bank account. And of course, that's been happening a little bit from like crypto native VCs, people that have started kind of VC firms or angel investors that have most of their wealth in crypto and, you know, say, yeah, I'll, I'll invest, you know, 100 grand or 250 grand or something and do it all in stable coins. But now this is a, you know, a, I guess we would say a traditional finance company, a publicly traded company that is making this investment using stable coins. Granted, they're using their own and, and they're you know trying to seed the market a little bit. Um, but it's a really uh, interesting use case. And I think what it means is there will probably be more venture capitalists. There'll probably be more companies, more venture arms that are looking to do this. I could see Coinbase doing this because Coinbase has a uh, venture 
Arm Venture Studio. I could see other, you know, kind of crypto related, you know, exchanges, uh, even Binance that have their own stable coins and, and their own venture arm starting to invest this way more. Um, but I think the most interesting part, again, is that it's PayPal that, that's doing this. Um, and they didn't have to. It's not like they didn't have the money to do it, but it it allows for this transaction to happen directly on crypto rails. It's all you know verifiable. It's all transparent. It's immutable. The settlement was immediate. It's not like Mesh had to wait five days for the wire to get there. Um, it happened probably in, in the span of 12 seconds. They had their five million. Well, Hopefully PayPal uh, Ventures thought to, you know, test the wallet first and maybe send like 50 uh, PYUSD and then send the other, you know, 499 whatever million or, or 4,999,000, whatever it is. Um, hopefully they tested it first. But this is, uh, you know, a, a good example of what should be and probably will be happening in the future in terms of money moving on crypto rails. Yeah, and um, there was an article back in December that I read. It kind of relates to the the guys with, that was writing it, uh, and I had to go back and find it. I know it was on Blockworks, but he was talking about twenty twenty four being the the year for stable coins and and the the trend because stable coins give the volatile crypto market a you know kind of a the needed stability because you can do a lot with them. You can transact with them. They move, but they remain pegged. And it, with that, with him saying that, and I think it was, it was before Christmas sometime. So December 21st or something, but he talked about uh, it being the year. And then PayPal goes and makes a $5 million investment using a stable coin. So I guess the trend that he was right. Uh, exactly. So I, I think it's, um, you know, it's all sorts of great use cases we see. Again, the, the ultimate on-ramp, ultimate off-ramp. If you get your investment in uh, on crypto rails and then you can spend on crypto rails, you no longer have to worry about the fiat conversion. You no longer have to worry about dealing with the bank. And if your bank is going to censor your, your trade and you know, stop you from, from doing so, if the government's going to have purview and go, we're, we're not going to allow you to do that, this is truly, you know, decentralized money moving around on decentralized rails that um, that anybody in the world can do. And, and look, that that was the initial idea of Bitcoin was the fact that you and I can transact, have a financial transaction of value without having to ask anybody's permission. And that's what we're seeing here in the, in the last two stories we talked about. Right. It's Transact and, and Visa Direct allowing you to spend it. And it's PayPal actually making the initial investment with a uh, stable coin on crypto rails. So th this is both the ultimate on-ramp and the ultimate off-ramp happening right in front of us with major companies. Yeah. And that's the thing with, it's not, you know, fly by nights or small little, it's big companies using it. And, and look, we all kind of thought or assumed that once the ETF was approved, look, I had to throw that ETF word in there again. But th that you would start seeing more institutional uh, adoption and use cases for crypto, not necessarily just Bitcoin, but crypto in general, you know, stable coins and, and all other cryptos. 
Exactly. And we're going to see more and more of that. I mean, we've heard of the, the talk of tokenization of assets and with tokenization of real world assets from the likes of BlackRock and such. Uh, as long as their token is going to be on chain, they're probably going to accept investment on chain. Because why would they not? Why, why would you have to go from fiat to something that, that is tokenized on a blockchain? They're likely going to go that direction. Uh, and so this is one of those parts of it. And I could see, um, I could definitely see with their marketing muscle and, and with their volume, PayPal getting in with the likes of BlackRock and, and JP Morgan and everyone else saying, hey, can we use our stablecoin for these types of investments instead of using someone else's? Because, hey, we, you know, we have a lot of money and we can put a lot of marketing behind it. And by the way, we really need people to start using our stablecoin. So we, we, we can see that happening. So th this was, uh, you know, an exciting week. I, we had to talk ETF a little bit because why not? But hey, at least we're not talking the Bitcoin ETF today. And then uh, actual adoption and use cases, which, by the way, if, those ado if that adoption and use cases is on Ethereum, that points to more demand for the ETH token above and beyond the, the demand that the ETF will generate. So here we're talking about demand with an ETF and then demand with actual adoption and usage of the network. That will definitely drive the uh, price up. More use cases drives it up. Hopefully it will. And, and that's the investment thesis behind it. There you go. That's all I got today, Adam. What about you? That, that's all I got. That was uh, an exciting talk, mainly because we didn't have to uh, talk about Bitcoin ETFs today. But uh, it was it, it's always exciting to me to, to see more adoption and talk about it and know that, you know, as, as financial advisors, we, we have to start thinking about things like wallets and custody and, and money moving back and forth on crypto rails, not necessarily on traditional finance rails and how that uh, affects us and our clients. Um, above and beyond just the price of crypto assets. So this is a, uh, you know, a, a good day, exciting things to talk about today, Ron. All right. Until next time, we'll try to figure out topics. Uh, check out the podcast, the YouTube channel, LinkedIn, Twitter. Subscribe to the newsletter. Subscribe to the newsletter. Shameless plug. Shameless. Not, not shameless at all. It's our podcast. We can plug our own newsletter. Everybody have a great rest of your week.